Good morning, everyone, and welcome to our daily reading conference call on A Course in Miracles Original Edition. We read from the text of A Course in Miracles <coughs> Original Edition, which is published by our dear friends at the Course in Miracles Society. You can access an online copy of the original edition by going to jcim.net, where if you mouse over the link at top for original edition, you will see the link to read ACIMOE. On that same drop-down menu, there is a link to subscribe to an excellent daily email sent to you, excuse me, also sent to you by the Course in Miracles Society which contains both the workbook lesson and the text reading for the day. My name is Lemoyne Castle, and this call happens for and with you every weekday morning, Monday through Friday, from about 9.15 to about 11 a.m. Eastern. And today we are continuing our reading in Chapter 3. Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, with Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. At the top of the hour, we we do pause for remembrance of our lesson for the day. Today is Lesson 27. Above all else, I want to see. And... uh, because of, you know, if anyone is interested in doing the lesson, uh, uh, Donna has said she would, but uh, that she would yield to anyone who's interested in doing the lesson. So, that's still partly open. Okay. Um, Lori, do you have uh, an opening? Talk for us this morning? Well, I sure do, Lemoyne. And when it comes around, I'm always so grateful for this poem from Meister Eckhart. It's called To See as God Sees. It is your destiny to see as God sees, to know as God knows, to feel as God feels. How is this possible? How? Because divine love cannot defy its very self. Divine love will be eternally true to its own being. And its being is giving all it can at the perfect moment. And the greatest gift God can give is his own experience. Every object, every creature, every man, woman, and child has a soul. And it is the destiny of all to see as God sees to know as God knows, to feel as God feels, to be as God is. Above all else, I want to see. Amen. Thank you, Lori. That was beautiful. That was beautiful. Thank you, Lori.
Yeah, thank you very much. Very much. Okay. Good morning. What's up? Um, and reading. Good morning. I have uh, Lori, Robin Marie, Karen, Donna, Patricia, and with us and listening as uh, Harrison, Jessica, Kristen, and Diana. Is there anyone else who's joined us this morning who would like to to say hi or join the reading list? All right. Go ahead and get us started here in Chapter 3, Retraining the Mind. Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. There is another point which must be perfectly clear before any residual fear which may still be associated with miracles becomes entirely groundless. The crucifixion did not establish the atonement. The resurrection did. This is a point which many very sincere Christians have misunderstood. No one who is free of the scarcity error could possibly make this mistake. If the crucifixion is seen from an upside-down point of view, it does appear it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. Many ministers preach this every day. And Laurie. Uh, chapter 3, Retraining the Mind, Section 3, Atonement Without Sacrifice. There is another point which must be perfectly clear before any residual fear that which may still be associated with miracles becomes entirely groundless. The crucifixion did not establish the atonement. The resurrection did. This is a point which many very sincere Christians have misunderstood. No one who is free of the scarcity error could possibly make this mistake. If the crucifixion is seen from an upside-down point of view, it does appear as if God permitted and even encouraged one of his sons to suffer because he was good. Many ministers preach this every day. 12. This particularly unfortunate interpretation, which arose out of the combined misprojections of a large number of my would-be followers, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. This particularly anti-religious concept enters into many religions, and this is neither by chance nor by coincidence. Yet the real Christian would have to pause and ask, quote, how could this be? End quote. Is it likely that God himself would be capable of the kind of thinking which his own words have clearly stated is unworthy of man? Thank you, Lori. And Robin Marie? This particularly unfortunate interpretation, 
which arose out of the combined misprojections of a large number of my would-be followers, has led many people to be bitterly afraid of God. This particularly anti-religious concept enters into many religions, and this is neither by chance nor by coincidence. Yet the real Christian would have to pause and ask, quote, how could this be, unquote? Is it likely that God himself would be capable of the kind of thinking which his own words have clearly stated is unworthy of man? The best defense, as always, is not to attack another's position, but rather to protect the truth. It is unwise to accept any concept if you have to turn a whole frame of reference around in order to justify it. This procedure is painful in its minor applications and genuinely tragic on a mass basis. Persecution is a frequent result undertaken to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his own son on behalf of salvation. The very words are meaningless. Thank you, Robin Murray. And Karen. Thirteen. The best defense, as always, is not to attack another's position, but rather to protect the truth. It is unwise to accept any concept if you have to turn a whole frame of reference around in order to justify it. This procedure is painful in its minor applications and genuinely tragic on a mass basis. Persecution is a frequent result undertaken to justify the terrible misperception that God himself persecuted his own son on behalf of salvation. The very words are meaningless. 14. It has been particularly difficult to overcome this because although the error itself is no harder to overcome than any other error, men were unwilling to give this one up because of its prominent quote-unquote escape value. In milder forms, a parent says, quote, this hurts me more than it hurts you, unquote, and feels exonerating in beating a child. Can you believe that the father really thinks this way? It is so essential that all such thinking be dispelled, that we that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. I was not punished because you were bad. The holy benign lesson the atonement teaches is lost if it is tainted with this kind of distortion in any form. Thank you, Karen and Donna. 
14. It has been particularly difficult to overcome this because although the error itself is no harder to overcome than any other error, men are unwilling to give this one up because of its prominent, quote, escape, end quote, value. In my older farms, a parent says, quote, this hurts me more than it hurts you, end quote, and feels exonerated for having beaten a child. Can you believe that the father really thinks this way? It is so essential that all such thinking be dispelled that we must that we must be very sure that nothing of this kind remains in your mind. I was not punished because you were bad. The holy benign lesson the atonement teaches is is lost. If it is tainted with this kind of... The holy benign lesson of the atonement, the lesson the atonement teaches is lost if it is tainted with this kind of distortion in any form. 15. Quote, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, end quote, is a strictly karmatic viewpoint. It is a real misperception of truth by which man assigns his own, quote, evil, end quote, past to God. The, quote, evil conscience, end quote, from the past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it, and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in karmatic retribution. His divine mind does not create that way. He does not hold the evil deeds of a man even against himself. It is likely then that he would hold against anyone the evil that another did. Is it likely then that he will hold against anyone the evil that another did? Thank you, Donna. And Patricia. Fifteen. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord, is a strictly karmic viewpoint. It is a real misperception of truth by which man assigns his own evil path to God. The evil conscience from the past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in karmic retribution. His divine mind does not create that way. He 
does not hold the evil deeds of a man against he does not hold the evil deeds of a man even against himself. Is it likely then that he would hold against anyone the evil that another did? 16. Be very sure that you recognize how utterly impossible this assumption really is and how entirely it arises from misprojection. This kind of error is responsible for a host of related errors, including the belief that God rejected man and forced him out of the Garden of Eden. It is also responsible for the fact that you may believe from time to time that I am misdirecting you. I have made every effort to use words that are almost impossible to distort. Man is very inventive when it comes to twisting my symbols around. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And is there a new reader who would like to continue with uh, paragraph 16? 17? Oh, good. All right. Please go ahead, Eric. Is it 16 and 17? Yes, sir. Okay. Be very sure that you recognize how utterly impossible this assumption really is and how entirely it arises from misprojection. This kind of error is responsible for a host of related errors, including the belief that God rejected man and forced him out of the Garden of Eden. It is also responsible for the fact that you may believe from time to time that I am that I am misdirecting you. I have made every effort to use words that are almost impossible 
to the story. But man is very inventive. And when it comes to twisting symbols around 17, God himself is not symbolic. He is fact. The atonement, too, is totally without symbolism. It is perfectly clear because it exists in light. Only man's attempts to shroud it in darkness have made it inaccessible to the unwilling and ambiguous to the partly willing. The atonement itself radiates nothing but truth. It therefore epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. It cannot do this if it arose from anything but perfect innocence. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil, which does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. Uh, thank you, Harrison. And um, I'd just like to remind people to uh, ask them to everyone to be on mute if you're not reading. And uh, ask them if there's another new reader for paragraph 17 and 18. Good morning. It's Mindy. I would like to read. Okay, Mindy. Please go ahead. 17. God himself is not symbolic. He is fact. The atonement, too, is totally without symbolism. It is perfectly clear because it exists in light. Only man's attempts to shroud it in darkness have made it inaccessible to the unwilling and ambiguous to the partly willing. I like to say the at-one-ment itself radiates nothing but truth. It therefore epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. It could not do this if it arose from anything but perfect innocence. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil which does not exist. It is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. 18. The resurrection demonstrated that nothing can destroy truth. Good can withstand any form of evil because light abolishes all forms of darkness. Yet onement is thus the perfect lesson. It is the final demonstration that all of the other lessons which I taught are true. Man is released from all errors if he believes in this. 
The deductive approach to reaching, excuse me, the deductive approach to teaching accepts the generalization which is applicable to all single instances rather than building up the generalization after analyzing numerous single instances separately. I'm going to read that one more time. The deductive approach to teaching accepts the generalizations, which is applicable to all single instances, rather than building up the generalization after analyzing numerous single instances separately. If you can't accept the one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from many smaller lessons. Thank you, Mindy. And is there another new reader who would like to read uh, 1819? Another new reader? Okay, back to you, Gloria. The resurrection demonstrated that nothing can destroy truth. Good can withstand any form of evil because light abolishes all forms of darkness. The atonement is thus the perfect lesson. It is the final demonstration that all the other lessons which I taught are true. Man is released from all errors if he believes in this. The deductive approach to teaching accepts the generalization which is applicable to all single instances rather than building up the generalization after analyzing numerous single instances separately. If you can accept the one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from many smaller lessons. 19. Nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears and level confusion vanishes. The Son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. This single purpose creates perfect integration and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. Uh, Thank you, Nori. And uh, Robin Murray? Nineteen. Nothing can prevail against a son of God who commends his spirit into the hands of his father. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears and level confusion vanishes. The son of God is part of the Holy Trinity, but the Trinity itself is one. There is no confusion within its levels because they are of one mind and one will. This single purpose creates perfect integration 
and establishes the peace of God. Yet this vision can be perceived only by the truly innocent. 20. Because their hearts are pure, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the will to attack, and therefore they see truly. This is what the Bible means when it says, quote, when he shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, unquote. Thank you, Robin Marie <clears throat> and Karen. Twenty, excuse me, twenty. Because their hearts are pure, the innocent defend true perception instead of defending themselves against it. Understanding the lesson of the atonement, they are without the will to attack, and therefore they truly see. This is what the Bible means when it says, quote, when he shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is, unquote. 21. Sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear. This is particularly unfortunate because frightened people are apt to be vicious. Sacrificing another in any way is a clear-cut violation of God's own injunction that man should be merciful even as the Father, as his Father in heaven. It has been hard for many Christians to realize that this commandment or assignment also applies to themselves. Good teachers never terrorize their students. To terrorize is to attack, and this results in rejection of what the teacher offers. The result is learning failure. Thank you, Karen and Donna. Twenty-one. Sacrifice is a notion totally unknown to God. It arises solely from fear. This is particularly unfortunate, unfortunate because frightened people are apt to be vicious. Sacrificing another in any way is a clear-cut violation of God's own injunction that man should be merciful even as his Father in heaven. It has been hard for many Christians to realize that this commandment or assignment also applies to themselves. Good teachers never terrorize their students. To terrorize is is to attack, and this results in rejection of what the teacher offers. The result is learning failure, 22. I have been correctly referred to as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. 
Those who represent the lamb as blood hyphen stain, all too widespread and all too widespread error do not understand the meaning of the symbol. Correctly understood, it is a very simple parable which merely speaks of my innocence. The lion and the lamb lying down together refers to the fact that strength and innocence are not in conflict but naturally live in peace. Quote, blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God, end quote, is another way of saying the same thing. Thank you, Donna. And Patricia. 22. I have been directly referred to as the Lamb of God who taketh away the sins of the world. Those who represent the land as blood-stained and all too wide error and all too wide bread error do not understand the meaning of the symbol. Correctly understood, it is a very simple parable which merely speaks of my innocence. The lion, the lion and the lamb lying down together refers to the fact, the fact that strength and innocence are not in conflict, but naturally live in peace. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall be God, is another way of saying the same thing. 23. There has been some human controversy about the nature of seeing in relation to the integrative powers of the brain. Correctly understood, the issue revolves around the question of whether the body or the mind can see or understand. This is not really open to question at all. This is not really open to question at all. The body is not capable of understanding and only the mind can perceive anything. A pure mind knows the truth and this is its strength 
A pure mind knows the truth. And this is its strength. It cannot attack the body because it recognizes exactly what the body is. This is what, quote, a sane mind in a sane body, unquote, really means. It does not confuse destruction with innocence because it associates innocence with strength not with weakness. Thank you. Thank you, Patricia. And Erica. <coughs> 23. There has been some human controversy about the nature of seeing in relation to the integrative powers of the brain. Correctly understood, the issue revolves around the question of whether the body or the mind can see or understand. This is not really open to question at all. The body is not capable of understanding, and only the mind can perceive anything. A pure mind knows the truth, and this is its strength. It cannot attack the body because it recognizes exactly what the body is. This is what, quote, a a sane mind in a sane body, unquote, really means. It does not confuse destruction with innocence because it associates innocence with strength, not with weakness. 24. Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. 
The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God. And because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar. When nothing except perfection truly belongs, the understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Thank you, Harrison. <coughs> and uh, yeah, Mindy's ready. Okay, Mindy. 20, yeah, thank you. Twenty-four. Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor man because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God. And because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, is the only appropriate gift to his own altar, where nothing except perfection truly belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Now I have to switch to online. Thank you. All done? (laughs) Well, um, we're going to go way past the top of the hour. We are past it already, so I'm going to carry on. Is there a is there another reader, uh, any any reader who would like to repeat uh, 24? Uh, 24, Patricia. I'll read it. If you'd like? Okay, Patricia. Okay. 24. Innocence is incapable of sacrificing anything because the innocent mind has everything and strives only to protect its wholeness. This is why it cannot misproject. It can only honor 
man. Because honor is the natural greeting of the truly loved to others who are like them. The Lamb taketh away the sins of the world only in the sense that the state of innocence or grace is one in which the meaning of the atonement is perfectly apparent. The innocence of God is the true state of mind of his son. In this state, man's mind does see God. And because he sees him as he is, he knows that the atonement, not sacrifice, the atonement is the only appropriate gift to his own altar where nothing except true perfection belongs. The understanding of the innocent is truth. This is why their altars are truly radiant. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Patricia. Yeah, I think of what that rest is the summary of the section. And uh, turn to you, Donna. Um, also recognize as a good introduction to uh, our lesson today. Above all else, I want to see. Thank you. Above all else, I want to see, recognizing that what I see reflects what I think I am. I realize that vision is my greatest need. The world I see attests to, a fear, to the fearful nature of self-hyphen image I have made. If I would remember who I am, it is essential that I let this image of myself go. As it is replaced by truth, vision will surely be given me. And with this vision, I will look upon the world and upon myself with charity and love. And I'm going to read from page 17, um, chapter 1. <laughs> Paragraph 105, Jesus says, Child of God, you were created to create the good, the beautiful, and the holy. Do not lose sight of this. 
The love of God for a little while must still be expressed through one body to another because the real vision is still so dim. Everyone can use his body best by enlarging man's perception so he can see the real vision. This vision is invisible to the physical eye. The ultimate purpose of the body is to render itself unnecessary. Learning to do this is the only real reason for the body's creation. Above all else, I want to see. And I'm going to uh, read from um, Lesson 27, paragraphs 3, 5, and part of 7. Vision has no cost to anyone. It can only bless. 7. The real question is, how often will you remember? How much do you want today's idea to be true? Answer one of these questions, and you will have answered the other. Above all else, I want to see. Let us take a moment in silence with real vision. Above all else, I want to see. Amen. And a little prayer. Above all else, I want to see. Real vision will show me my innocence. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Donna. This lovely. Yeah, thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Thank you, Donna. Above all else, I want to see. I'm, I'm talking to the group, honey. I know. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, 
I want, above all else, I want to see things differently. I think that's coming else up tomorrow. Uh, but, of course, we know it's coming up. Everybody's heard that phrase. I want to see things differently because I am so aware of exactly what he was talking about in there that when I see with the physical eyes, I see with fear. I see things, everything and everybody fearfully. I even see myself fearfully. I even get afraid of myself. And um, I don't want to be afraid of myself. I don't really want to be afraid of the rest of the world or the universe or my partner or anybody. So, or the world government or any or anybody. So, um, above all else, I want to see. I want to see. And above all else, I want to see things differently. Thanks. I'll complete. Thank you, Ida. That was very beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ida. Good morning, it's Mindy. When I think about this, above all else I want to see, I say, yes, this is true. And then the part of me that believes I'm separate and that I'm a body and that I can be harmed doesn't want to see, it just wants to do. (laughs) It wants to do its interpretation of what needs to be done to be safe, to be secure, to survive, to establish its autonomy. Um, And I'm going, gosh, that's really challenging to give up the thoughts about taking care of the body because the Course want me to, you know, go into denial of the fact that I'm expressing to a body or I'm in the illusion of being a body. No, doesn't want me to deny that. Um, you know, am I supposed to just uh, become a monk and let go of all my needs so that the only thing I do is I just I want to see. I want to see the truth. And the truth is that I'm a being of light, one with everyone, everything, and God. And I have no needs. So, um Yet, I've chosen to express through something that I've identified with that has feelings, both emotions and sensations, that's a body. So how do I see 
if I'm in the process of cooking my food with the thought that I'm hungry and I need to eat, am I not seeing the truth? And I'm, I'm going, wow, this is a, this is a quandary. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, and there's fear that I have to deny the body and its needs and, you know, just try to be holier than now. But what I'm realizing is, is where I have chosen to place my consciousness, identifying with the body, that it's perfectly okay to see that the body has needs, which means it's not completely connected and fed by light, by the light of God. I'm not completely connected to my source. The body is not. It's a uh, maybe a was a creation, maybe it's a miscreation, but when I think about the truth of my being, that I am a soul, that the soul is connected with God. The deeper I go into my true essence, the more connection I have with God as people and God as light and love. And I remember that I am an eternal soul and that that is the truth of my being. With love, not fear, I can tend to this creation, some would call it a miscreation, called the body and its needs with a sense of humor and a sense of detachment, knowing that the body is not me, knowing that, yes, it, it shall pass away in, unless there's some resurrection going on that I don't know of if I get enlightened. You know, I don't know if the body will become incorruptible. I have no idea. But if I can just remember I am a soul that it's, and that the body is temporary, I can, I can see the body with love and say this is the temple of God right now because it's housing Mindy's I am consciousness and Mindy as an expression, an individual ray of the sun, an individual expression of God. And then I can kind of be serene and, and take it easy and, and have a sense of humor about it and go about chopping water, chopping water, chopping wood, carrying water, and still be in a place of truth and be loving to myself as Mindy with this body who's 62 years old and blah, blah, blah. So there really is no um, need to separate from the body to see the truth. It's just knowing that the soul is what is animating this body or the spirit or God, whatever. The power that God gave me is animating the body. So it is a part of truth. And if I dedicate it as a temple of God and dedicate it to love and love what I'm doing, love what I'm fixing, love what I'm eating, love the pain I might be feeling, love going to the dentist and see it as a way of expression and connecting with other souls who are God, then I can make the statement, above all else, I want to see. I know the truth. I want to see the truth of me amidst an illusion. And that is my commitment today. Above all else, I want to see. Oh, what a gift to yourself on your birthday, Mindy. Happy birthday to you. That was beautiful. Yes. Happy birthday. 
Kathy Burke, that was beautiful. That was really true and, and very astute and wise. Thank you. And happy birthday, dear. I love you. Thank you. Oh, yes. Thank you. It just reminded me when I go shopping to remember everything in there is, you know, uh, there's a light in food. And to look for the light in the food that will feed my body so that I can have more light in my body. Um, even though it is dense, it needs to be fed. And, yeah, I really um, appreciated you talking about that. Thanks, Mindy. Thank you, Mindy. Oh, thank Happy you, Robert Marie. Okay. Good morning. This is Sandra. Above all else, I want to see for me as a lesson in humility. I mentioned this in the earlier call that it's my willingness to be wrong, my willingness to be corrected, um, my willingness to, to identify with the truth of who I am instead of the ego. And that, that takes some effort and some intention and um, and humility. I'm complete. Oh, thank you, Sandra. Good morning, Ms. Karen. Um, I was thinking yesterday's lesson was so powerful and going over it and over it during the day um, was so illuminating that underneath everything that bothers me, there's the fear, and I don't have to uh, believe in that fear if I choose to protect my Christ self. So above all else, I want to see my true self, who I really am, and above all else, I want to deconstruct this falsehood based on fear. I'm complete. Ah, thank you, Karen. I have to correct that. I want the Holy Spirit to deconstruct all the falsehoods, not me. <laughs> I'm complete. Yeah, thank you for that, Karen. <clears throat> Karen again, I'm just going to add something. Um, as you know, I think I've mentioned many times that I've spent a lot of time in um, a Hindu environment, an ashram and in spiritual communities that really, really emphasize karma, you know, and, and having to burn up your karma. So like, in 2016, I got my face smashed while I was doing Seva on tour. And um, everybody says, oh, well, it's just you're burning up your karma. <laughs> you know? 
it's a good thing because you just you just got rid of a lot of karma. I'm just purified all this, you know, negativity in you and so on. And I just that just you know tracks so strongly with the theme of punishment that Catholicism um, blessed me with as a child. And I just love paragraph 15, quote, Vincent's mind saith the Lord, unquote, is a strictly karmic viewpoint. It is a real misperception of truth by which man assigns his own, quote, unquote, evil past to God. The, quote, evil conscience, unquote, from the past has nothing to do with God. He did not create it, and he does not maintain it. God does not believe in karmic retribution. His divine mind did not create that way. He does not hold the evil seeds of man against himself. I just think, you know, the Course in Miracles is just like straightening out all this fear thinking and all of this really distorted thinking like it's just like I said before, you know, above all else I want to see, I want to see without all this stuff I've been taught that that makes me think that God is a, is punishing and persecuting. I don't want that reality. Um, God didn't create the karma. The karma of my miscreations may be there if I live in that in that false reality, but the love of God is the way out of all that suffering and pain. It's the way to deconstruct that reality. It's the way to be released from my miscreations. All the thought forms, all the feeling forms, all the stories, all of the the past that's been stuck in my false self can be released in love. That's what the Course teaches. Thank God for that. I'm complete. Yes, thank God for that. Thanks, Karen. Good morning, this is Sandra. And um, um, for me, karma is kind of like, it's part of the evolutionary process. It's something that I've created um, because I want to move forward and evolve to, to, and God gave me the way to do that to the place of unity rather than separation. Um, once I thought I separated, there was no, there's no such thing as separation, but I thought it, I thought that I separated. And in that same moment, of thinking that I was separate, there was a huge desire to return back to unity, to my creator, to being one with all of creation. So the way that God sees me is innocent. That's who God is. God sees me as perfectly innocent. However, the separated self judged, actually judged, judged itself and it ha- and then it had a longing to go i think go back to unity i mean that's why i'm here that's what that's why i'm on these calls there's this huge longing to go back to the original factory setting thank you judy <laughs> um 
It says, it therefore epitomizes, oh, this is in uh, paragraph 17. Um, it therefore epitomizes harmlessness and sheds only blessing. That's, that's the truth of who I am. It could not do this if it arose from anything but perfect innocence, because that's the truth of who I am. Innocence is wisdom because it is unaware of evil. And that's, how, that's my goal. I, I just want to see God in everything. I don't want to see, I don't want to, I want to let go of all judgment. And that, again, goes along with above all else I want to see. Um, it is, however, perfectly aware of everything that is true. And then in paragraph 18, um, if you can accept the one generalization now, there will be no need to learn from, from many smaller le- lessons. And that is that I'm innocent, innocent, and I am one with my creator. That's what I have to learn. I'm completely innocent, one with my creator. If the only thing I have to heal are the parts of myself that don't believe that. I'm complete. Thank you, Sandra. That was great. Beautiful. Thank you, Sandra. Thank you, Sandra. I've been thinking uh, this morning about, uh, I think it's Psalm 123, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not walk. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. (laughs) I will be with the goodness and mercy all the rest of my days and everlasting. Thank you so much, everybody. Oh, thank you for that, Robin Marie. It Thank you, to me. Very beautiful. Thank you. Hi, guys. Good morning. It's Jude. I love this reading today. Sorry, I... I hit to join you um, a little late because I missed some of your shares, but um, this idea of the immediacy of of my salvation and um, that God is always with me, the Holy Spirit, Christ consciousness is the only part of my mind that's real. My reality is I'm perfectly sinless and everyone else is perfectly sinless that we were created in his likeness, spirit and qualities, love um, and understanding and light, that we are light, that there is no darkness in us, is a part of the perfection of our creation. And that that this light, this understanding goes with us wherever we go. Um, The... um, this speaking of speaking of um, 
shrouding ourselves in darkness and, um, you know, darkness, darkness, the shadows or things that we think are bad or evil or wrong about ourselves, that anything that disturbs our peace, our joy, our happiness, which is a, is a constant, unchangeable state of how we were created to be, that we are peace, always peace, peace, and it's an unshakable, the unshakable peace of God, that nothing outside of me can disturb that. That is who and what I am. I am happiness. I am joyfulness. I am peacefulness itself. That is the state that I am forever, eternally, always have been, am now, and always will be. Unless, you know, I'm still thinking with a finite, separate mind and um, judging things and afraid. And, um, you know, the, the um, lesson today, I, I want to see, I, 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 I don't, I don't want to be blind anymore. And the, the Course teaches us that we, we perceive through the body and if we perceive through the body, we can't help but be identified um, as ourself, as in the body. So um, this lesson today really makes me understand that um, you know we have one vision and one voice, and so every God is in everything I see. God is all in all, being one. Oneness itself and every sound I hear is an echo for the voice of God and um, that there is no separation between anything I see, any situation I see, any circumstance, any aspect of anybody. There's no distinctions or differences. What is one is the same and cannot be different and what is one does not have separate parts. So um, it's with this learning that I've, I've, I've learned through doing the course and practicing the lessons that I'm going to hold this lesson in my heart today and in, in, remembering, in remembering to see that I want to see, that I can see, that vision is my greatest need and God's gift to me and it can't be difficult because it is who and what I am that I'm going to go into the day and um, see and hear only God. <laughs> God is with me, in me, as me, and, and, and as everything I see and hear today. Um, and that's, you know, my innocent defense of true perception instead of defending myself against it. Understanding the less of, an, of atonement is um, I am without the will to to criticize, complain, um, judge or attack, condemn. Um, so I will see truly. And this is what the Bible means when it says, when he shall appear or be perceived, we shall be like him for what we shall see, for we shall see him as he is. I see myself as I am, and in as is as I am. 
<laughs> it starts getting really, really simple. <laughs> oh, the um, I won't talk about sacrifice because I think there's there's only the sacrifice of my oneness, and I pretty much covered that. So, um, true, true. Pr- do I see truly? Um, do I see the truth everywhere? The truth is abundant. The truth is in everything. Um, the understanding, the innocent, is truth. That is why their altars are truly radiant. Oh, shine on, people. I love you. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for coming together with me today. I'm complete. Thank you, Judy. This is Donna. It occurs to me, sitting here, that I am in the mind of God and one with the mind of God. And my will is God's and I am the will of God. I am complete. 
Oh, I just um, had a, a thought about the shadows and the darkness. You know, the 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 evil things that we remember the we that we we remember the reiterations of of past hurts and bringing them here and now is 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 an obvious denial of what actually is here and now and i i think this has really become important in the last couple of weeks for me in my realization that um letting go of the past because somewhere in the text it really i read it and it really jumped out at me that healing is letting go of the past any anything everything that I'm experiencing is here and now, but it's the thought that separates me from my experience. It's like, you know, we have experiences and 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 we, we then we name and label with words and symbols and describe it, and that's always of the past. Even if it, it's within this very minute, it's always past because the the. The present awareness of now is always in stillness and in quietness. And it's only in that stillness and quietness that I, I really honor the awareness of just being, solely being one with everything. As soon as I talk, as soon as I think, there's something in between it. And so the, the recognition for me of, of letting go of the past all of my past learning is not just the learning of 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 what the world's conditioning, the ego thought system is, has taught me. It's everything, even what the course has taught me. At the end of the text, it says, "Put down the book, forget this course, forget everything you thought you ever learned, and just be be one with your Creator, be one with your Source." And be of one mind that um, in in and of that I I will behave and talk and think as God would have me, and um, being one with Him I can't go wrong. So um, you know that that time is time is um, of the ego. It's a concept the ego made, and it's rooted in the past and bringing the past in into the present to continue it into the future and just to let everything go and be in that um, empty and um, open-minded heartedness that allows me just to be present lovingly presently loving knowingly present in the presence of God and, and everything. So, I don't know, uh, that sounded like a jumble coming out, but... <laughs> oh, I get it. <laughs> and I think it's really important that I remember it, and that's why I shared it. Thank you for giving me a place to share. Thanks, Judy. Thanks, Judy. Thank you, Judy. That, that really was that really was a beautiful share. Thank you.
I just got to say I love that that portion that Karen brought up about karma because we were having a conversation the other night about um, making up for past bad karma. And I said, God doesn't believe in karma. <laughs> or I, I don't know where I got it from, but I, I reiterated just what the reading says today about um, God's mind doesn't think that way. And um, he doesn't hold our past against us. And um, he doesn't believe in punishment, um, that, it, that um, he just sees us as perf- perfect. And um, what else does it say about that? Oh, that we, we believe in evil, that um, the evil conscience, having a bad conscience from the past has nothing to do with God. He does not maintain it, doesn't believe in it. He doesn't create that way. Uh, so um, the idea in punishment, punishment, any idea or concept of punishment involves um, the projection of blame and reinforces the separation <laughs> that blame is justified. <coughs> that there is a you who is doing something who is a me, I mean, it's, it's obvious, and in, in it's the separation in and of itself, just in the thought of it. Some of these ideas are really obvious if you think of them so simply. You know, that um, I, I say I love you when it really is I am God and... Um, saying I love God, <laughs> it's like, it's all God. <laughs> there is nothing except God. And, um, you know, that we make all these distinctions and names and labels and that it's one seamless totality of, of love experiencing itself is, is, is what it is with a capital I. It is... <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, Judy. Well, hi, guys. This is Lori. What a great reading and a great lesson today. And how marvelously they nest within each other. When I look at the recap of this lesson, above all else I want to see, he gives me this two or three sentence idea that is the summary of paragraphs 18 and 19. The world I see attests to the fearful nature of the self-image I have made. If I would remember who I am, that is to say, if I would remember who I am, if I would accept the atonement, the truth of my innocence, it is essential that I let this fearful self-image of myself go. As it is replaced by truth, vision will surely be given me, and with this vision, I will look upon the world and upon myself with charity and love. Look upon the world 
and myself with charity and love. That's why the atonement is the perfect lesson. That's why innocence gives me everything. It replaces the fearful self-image I made. A fearful self-image where uh, I saw myself as separate from God and separate from creation. The atonement is the single perfect lesson that corrects that. And when it says <clears throat> the atonement was was planned, the principle of atonement is love. It was um, planned when the when the insane idea of separation came into the mind of man. And the resurrection established its eternal truth that nothing can prevail against love. Where where is my fearful self-image if I accept all that? You know, God gives and gives and gives and does nothing but give. That's the extension of love that God is. And when I elect to participate with that, everything changes. Everything. All all the truth I thought was true before is is gone. It's just gone. It's temporarily very disorienting to think, you know, after all my efforting, I achieve nothing. But acceptance of the atonement is to accept that I have not changed myself. All my efforting was nothing, was never required. The only thing God ever asked of me is to accept his grace, accept his gift, accept that love can't be changed by anything, accept that love is eternal, accept, accept my innocence. You know, there are places in this course that describe all of our difficulty as a consequence of not accepting innocence. I, I, last night, Netflix had a new um, a new release, and it's a documentary about the life of Leonard Cohen, who wrote that beautiful song "Alleluia." And, and the life of Leonard Cohen is a beautiful life, where all his life he was striving to find an expression of holiness. And how holiness can't be altered or changed by any idea of my own. His whole life was um, on that trajectory. And so many of his songs and poems reflect exactly that. And, And yet, he never stopped striving. There's a point at which God asks us to stop striving. A point at which I recognize all my striving availed me nothing where I turn away from that that feeling that I'm a dog on a racetrack and the carrot is always unattainable unattainable but turn away from that and recognize everything I ever wanted everything everything innocence love peace gentleness truth mercy everything I ever wanted 
was already here, except that I stopped striving and recognized that it's given for my acceptance. That's why it was given, simply for my acceptance. Can I accept innocence? And then he says, in paragraph 19, nothing can prevail against the Son of God who commends his spirit, his soul, his striving, his, his essence into the hands of his Father because that's everything. By doing this, the mind awakens from its sleep and remembers its creator. All sense of separation disappears between God and I, between I and creation, and it's replaced by the love that never left that never left the mind of the Son of God. Level confusion vanishes. I'm no longer confused at all about what I am or what God is or what creation is or what my brothers are. The Holy Trinity, the truth of source love, the truth of heart love, the truth in my mind, that's an expression of the Holy Trinity. One mind and one will. One will, one purpose. Only one purpose. And that's to find ways, not even to find, no, to recognize that in every event I'm ever involved, every situation, every possible experience with creation, has one purpose, and that's to share the love of God. How do I do that? By recognizing that the altar to holiness is the truth of everything, of everyone. That's what he means. Above all else, I want to see. Above all else, I want to know the truth. I want to know my truth. I want to know the truth of the world. I want to know that the world reflects the truth in my heart in my mind, in my life, in my expression, in my experience. Above all else, I want to see the world as a reflection of my own perfection. And when I do, I'll recognize, I'll recognize that there is just one will and that's to find expression of love wherever I am and to recognize that the peace of God is not something I acquire with hands to grasp, but rather open my heart mind to. And when I do, it flows out. You know, he says, peace is, peace is within you and is unalterable, but it must be shared in order that I be aware of it. <laughs> That's not something that need be strived for only stop looking into my own resources and recognize God has given me everything. He gave me life. He gave me unalterable eternal life. This perfect soul. This perfect soul that knows the unity of all souls. The truth of I am the vine and you are the branches. The truth that when I accept atonement for myself, my life will bear fruit. <laughs> And it won't be for my sole benefit, but it will be for the benefit of creation and the extension of the love of God. That bears fruit.
Leonard Cohen's life bore fruit, beautiful fruit. We all do. And it's just there for us to recognize that we're connected with each other by light, by love, all in the mind of God. Paragraphs 18 and 19 are why there is no will but God's, why there is no love but God's, and why there is no peace but God's. And all of that is simply for my acceptance. Will I forgive myself by striving? Will I recognize I, I simply made a mistake about everything because I didn't understand? I didn't understand. The atonement is the correction and the healing of my mind. I'm complete. That was gorgeous. Thank you. Thank you for that, Lori. And uh, thank you for your emphasis. Of, uh, centrality of this section <clears throat> in retraining the mind. The mind can perceive anything. And, uh, yeah, I'm willing to let that stand as a closing. That's something else I Lori. Um, I had lots of places where this this call, the whole book is about this. Everything in this book, every exercise is directed toward this. But um, in light of how I was moved to share today, I want to share this poem from Leonard Cohen. It's called A Report to RSB, who we don't know who that is. But he says this, peace did not come into my life. My life escaped and peace was there. Often I bump into my life trying to catch its breath, pay a bill or tolerate the news, tripping as usual over the cables of someone's beauty. My little life, so loyal, so devoted to its obscure purposes, and I hasten to report, doing just fine without me. That's the invitation to trust love. I'm complete. Thank you. Just love it. Thank you, Alan Cohen, and thank you, Lori. So poignant. Thank you. Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Lori, for that one and one poem. My favorite song of his is Dance me to the edge of love. Love that. Love it. <laughs> anyway, thanks for sharing. Yeah, thank you, Lori. And thank, thank you all for being here. Uh, on to the after call.